Hey everybody, welcome to the Bucky Cast. It is Happy New, uh, Happy Christmas Eve Eve. We're recording on the 23rd of December. I got Happy uh, Festivus, folks. I don't um, actually. We actually talked see, about this already. I don't know what Festivus is. Ryan, you're you're just a young buck, and you don't know anything. It is Festivus. We're gonna air some grievances. We're gonna we're gonna talk about some feats of strength, and uh, we're gonna drink you know, some I've beer. Got a, we are going to drink some beer. I've I've got some problems with you people, and you're going to hear all about it. So uh, on that note, this is John. Welcome, folks. We don't have Justin, but we got John and Ryan. Justin, this is a late night podcast, and uh, honestly, Justin was was too too involved with what he's doing tomorrow. And you know, we wish him well. Uh, we point out. Time, is it? I'm sorry, I'm interrupting you already, but is it fair to point out if you're going to use late night podcasts, I'm on the East Coast. Like, I am the latest of nights on this show, and I'm here. And ironically, usually he's the first guy to jump off. But this is true. He's had, a, he's had a busy evening. I think, I think Ryan needs to vent. Let's go. And we're um, going to do this. But first, first and above all, uh, Ryan, what are you drinking tonight? So I have two beers tonight. Um, the one I'm currently drinking is called the Kegnog, which is a milkshake <laughs> oh, IPA. Man. It has a, a lactose, vanilla extract, almonds, amarillo hops. It is a limited release from Graysale Brewing, which is a a coastal brewery out in New England. So I've got the Kegnog for the holiday spirit. And after that, oh, I'm going to switch man. to Stony Creek. This is the Boogaloo, the tropical lager. So, uh, what, yeah. What do, wait a minute. What defines a tropical lager? I'm just reading off the can, so I, I don't know. <laughs> Hold on. I, I can take it a step further, though. This little hazy, juicy lager never sleeps, is always fresh, and you basically know this song is about you. Tropical lager. <laughs> That's all I got. I don't know, man. Thank you for that lovely haiku. I, yeah. I, I, what does it taste like? Do you even know? I haven't cracked it yet. I've never had their tropical oh, lager. Oh, boy. Well, we'll have to go to a mid-podcast review you, on that if one. You, think tropical lager i'm imagining like some type of fruity thing right like fruity pineapple something like that is where i think it's gonna go but i don't know <sighs> boy they're walking the fine line between ale and a lager right there we're gonna have to find out how this tastes I still got later my on in the show but yeah, meanwhile you're sucking down the keg nog um i am going to go first off with uh samuel adams i got a uh, sample pack for the holidays from costco and the first beer I've got here is uh, Sam Adams Old Fezziwig, uh, rich and spiced. It doesn't really tell me too much after that. I don't want to read the back of the bottle like uh, like Ryan was just doing. It's a spiced ale. It's actually not too bad. Mm-hmm. Um, like most everything I drink from Sam Adams, I, I drink it and go, it's not so bad. It's actually okay. But um yeah, so it's called Old Fezziwig, which is a reference to the, a Christmas Carol, in case no one knows that. Uh, after that, I'm going to go with the Samuel Adams Holiday White Ale, which is a uh, citrus-infused hazy beer. Um, it is also pretty tasty. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Um, it's, it's, it's another beer that I'm not going to turn my nose up at. I had one of these a couple nights ago. I'm going to have one tonight. Uh, on top of the couple other Samuel Adams that I've had before this, so uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna launch in into our uh, news and notes now. I think you're getting a little taste of New England out there. In, in I the am getting I a like taste. It. Of, well, it's Sam Adams. I mean, you can get a little taste of, of New England virtually anywhere in the country if you drink Sam Adams. But it's New England. I feel like we're connecting over over hops right now. But let's jump you into drink, news and notes. You drink way too many weird beers for us to connect on that. That's probably true. I, I taste <laughs> the extremities of the beer world. Um, let's let's we, jump into news and notes. And we don't we don't have a ton of news and notes. Not a um, lot. We do have a walk on commit. Uh, okay, we do have another you, walk on commit. We do have another walk on commit. It is wide receiver Grady O'Neill. Uh, Grady O'Neill, who is a smaller, speedier wide receiver. Um, which Wisconsin frankly needs. In case no one knows, this was actually a really, um, really good walk-on class for Wisconsin, despite the fact that we don't have the number of scholarship commits that we may want. Um, Ryan, do you have more information on Grady? Sorry, I was muted for a second. Um, 
<laughs> Sorry about that. So yeah, Grady O'Neill, um, as you mentioned, really fast. I think he's clocked at a four four five, a little undersized uh, receiver out of Minnesota, committed listed to at, yeah, listed at five eleven. He might be shorter than that, mm-hmm. folks. Very very fast though. Like if you if you pop on his huddle film, and by the way, huddle has become just like the 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 best resource for anybody who wants to just get into recruiting and, and le- looking at, at prospects and recruits. Like he is fast, special teams, kick returns, um, taking slants and taking it to the house 70 yards. Uh, Grady O'Neill is definitely a guy who, and he talked about it, by the way, um, what the coaching staff talked to him about was his speed. You know, they would, they would be able to utilize the speed on the football field, find ways to take advantage of that. I think he, he's, he is scholarship speed. Like, and to get that in a preferred walk-on is a big deal. He doesn't necessarily have scholarship size and he's, he's got, a, there's a reason he's a walk-on, but speed plays and to get that in a walk-on um, it's, it's a really good addition to what we've talked about a lot, which is a very good walk-on class. Yeah. Um, this one is, is both by sheer quantity and um, quality alone. I can't remember a walk-on class. that was this good. Uh, we obviously, you know, we interviewed Austin Harnito, who's a guy I think we're going to hear more from in the future. And I think sooner rather than later. And there's many, many local kids mm-hmm. that, you know, looked really good, probably would have had more division one offers if they had, um, if they had had a proper, you know, 2020 season, but didn't. Mm-hmm. So um, there's yeah, at least um, off the top of my head, there's at least four preferred walk-ons in this class that had a division one offer to play yeah. football on a full ride somewhere else and are coming to Wisconsin basically to bet on themselves. So yep. it's a, it's a really impressive mm-hmm. uh, thing that Wisconsin can draw kids who have scholarship offers elsewhere, multiple scholarship offers elsewhere who are willing to come to Wisconsin instead and play their way into a scholarship. So that's, that about does it for news and notes. We don't really have a ton there. Uh, wanted to cover UW basketball really quick. The Badgers haven't played since, um, since last week when they finally we were at the tail end of our podcast i think as they were dispatching uh who was it nichols it was nichols state yep um we we were just we were like 1.5 seconds till the end and they were up by three and they wound up winning by three so that's good news they did not blow that game they didn't have johnny davis because he was out with a non-COVID related injury. Well, now COVID has finally, as it has all this week, struck Wisconsin among many other teams. And so the Badgers had their original opponent, uh, Morgan State, cancel on them uh, because of COVID issues with the Morgan State program. They arranged a game with George Mason, which would have actually been much better from from a scheduling standpoint. George Mason's a pretty solid uh, mid-major program. And they wound up uh, having to cancel that game because of COVID issues in the Wisconsin program. And then we've just found out uh, tonight, Chris McIntosh has COVID, the athletic director. So um, COVID folks, you, you're, you're not in a shell, I'm assuming, uh, is running rampant throughout most of the country right now. And so this is gonna become a pretty frequent issue. Let's just hope we get our bowl game in, mm-hmm. which is coming up December 28th. That's right. That was a smooth lead in. We're playing in the Las Vegas Bowl, Arizona State. We may have mentioned this before, but until then, we don't have a whole lot of football news to give you. Uh, We do have to now switch gears to the main issue of the last uh, roughly week uh, in Wisconsin athletics, which, excuse me, is the women's volleyball team winning the um, Division I national championship. just, just an absolutely epic run led by a, a whole group of super seniors who had so many different um, awards given to them. Um, the main players being Dana Retke, who was National Player of the Year, uh, Sydney Hilly, who was first team All Big Ten, uh, Grace Loberg, and Lauren Barnes, our uh, libero. Um, just phenomenal play. Uh, they essentially cruised into the final four, uh, didn't really have much of a fight given to them by anybody. I think, did they drop a set? I'm trying to remember. They did drop one set to Minnesota, I believe. 
Um, but other than that, they cruised into the final four, uh, played last Thursday, so a week ago, and um, beat the number one team in the country, undefeated Pittsburgh, in what we thought at the time was like the greatest volleyball match we'd ever watched. Uh, went to five sets. Wisconsin looked really overmatched in the first set and then just hung in there and ground and ground and ground until they pulled it out um, in the fifth. And everyone was really excited about that. Uh, and then we advanced the national championship game against Nebraska. That game started with a huge downer. Wisconsin got essentially blown out in the first set. Looked like they had had basically run themselves out. And I was messaging with Justin during that, uh, during the beginning of the second set. And I said, they just look like they're worn out, probably from the excitement of that Pittsburgh um, win. And right about the time I did that, they started to turn it around. And they took the uh, second set to extra points, 131 to 29. And from there, it just seesawed back and forth. Nebraska really came with their A game. Uh, their freshmen were outstanding. Um, I, outside of Lexi Rodriguez, I can't remember any of their, their, uh, their girls' first names. Um, I do remember, uh, uh, gosh, I can't remember her first name. Like I said, uh, her last name is Akana, um, had a phenomenal game, uh, as a, as a server, uh, just gave Wisconsin fits and starts trying to return her, um, her serve. And the Badgers were really pressed up against it going into the fifth set. And they immediately ran off seven straight points and then just hung on from there to deliver the national championship. Ryan, you watched those two matches, the first uh, volleyball matches I think you've ever watched through in your life. Um, what was what was your impression there? So, so not the first because I got into it last year a little bit towards the end um, of of their. By last year, do you mean last spring? Still in twenty twenty one? I guess yeah. So last okay. year's volleyball tournament, yeah. So in the spring, um, I love it. Like I we we had a show last year after Wisconsin, um, unfortunately failed to capture the championship, and we talked about it. And I said at the time, like I I know nothing about volleyball, but that was so much fun to watch. And this year, the same thing. Like, I, I'm not going to come up here and, and, and pretend like I'm an expert. I don't know really anything about the sport, the team, the players. I didn't watch during the season, but I watched uh, the last couple matches. It is so much fun. Like, high-level women's volleyball is an incredible sport to watch when it's played at an extremely competitive level. And those last two, those last two matches were, were phenomenal. Like, every it's, – it's almost hard if – and this is me. It's almost hard to describe – like the the do or die mentality, the angst of watching every point in a volleyball yes. match, right? Like it's hard to describe how how stressful that is if you're not it a is. volleyball person. Because I'm not a volleyball person, but like I am, my my nails were worn down by the end of the Nebraska match. Like I was dying with every point. Yeah, it's it's a draining. If it's if it's played really competitively, it's a draining match to watch. Both the Pittsburgh and uh, after the Pittsburgh one, I thought I have no energy left to even cheer. It's exhausting. Next week, because it was so incredible, and you 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 literally you're living and dying on every single yep. point. And there's 25 per set until you get to the final set, and then it's 15 of the most stressful points you could ever imagine. But you know they tend to go back and forth, unless a team goes on a big run, which is debilitating or exhilarating depending on who's doing it so it's really an emotional roller coaster like no other sport is it's hard to find yeah. a comp it, it really it is, is really hard to find a comp it feels like every every like when you're even with somebody um it, it just feels like it's every other point every single time and you're never going to find separation which just makes yeah. it exhausting it's like walking on a tightrope for a mile and you just and can't fall off either way and I've watched women's volleyball for a while, and um, I was I was blown away by how intensely competitive both those matches were, and just the the sheer grit that Wisconsin showed. I mean, it was just a championship spirit. They, yep. I, I, we we put this on Twitter, but no no team I've seen has deserved to hoist a championship trophy more than that women's yes. volleyball team because of how they played. 
And um, I was the I was the individual from our podcast who went to their uh, welcome home. And it was just an incredible experience. I took my my son and my daughter and uh, they played all the fight songs and, um, you know, all the traditional student section stuff from the fifth quarter uh, prior to them showing up. And, you know, people were people were just loving it. And those women played so hard. Uh, I just, you could tell they were pouring their heart and soul and Dana Recchi's reaction when she was actually holding the national yeah. championship trophy is just something that's going to be burned in my, into my mind until I'm dead. Yep. <laughs> is that, you know, she just, the, the look of astonishment and wonder in her face at looking at the national championship trophy and realizing what they had accomplished. Well, it's just her, the essence of sports. Her interview after too, where she 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 was speaking to the camera. She said, "Dad, we did it. We did it. We did it. We did yeah. it." And it's just yeah. like it felt so good as as a Wisconsin guy, like a guy who grew up in state, like so proud, right, of this 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 group of oh, kids, yeah. not kids, but young young women who just were unbelievable, and they were put in some moments. I mean, even even in the last set against Nebraska, they got up 7-0. And then Nebraska, to their credit, like that was yes. – you felt like it was over at 7-0, and and then Nebraska made it tough. Nebraska in the next three years is going to win another national championship. Mm-hmm. Um, that's They're loaded. Just, I, I, don't, I don't even think that's a question. And that just speaks to how good the Big Ten is in women's volleyball. They are just – they are so elite. Penn State just lost their longtime coach. Uh, so they'll be rebuilding for a little while, but you still have Wisconsin, Nebraska, mm-hmm. Minnesota, Purdue, mm-hmm. so many good teams. And you never know when someone else is going to take off. Um, it's just it's just a really fun sport to watch. And it, it set a uh, it, this particular uh, national championship set a, a record for ESPN for their women's volleyball mm. uh, matches. This was the most viewed deserved. At, I think at like 1.35 million or something like that. Oh, that's awesome. Deserved. <laughs> and too. it was, yeah, and it was well-deserved. It was just a phenomenal match. Your national champions, man. Like Yes, I know. And a- topping this off, this is the second national championship that a women's team has brought to Wisconsin this year with the women's hockey mm-hmm. team winning the last national championship uh, earlier this spring. Uh, women's athletics is, is a huge thing now at Wisconsin. And, you know, people, obviously women's basketball is not where we want it to be yet, but the other women's sports are just so high level with the women's team reaching the sweet 16 in the women's soccer tournament. Um, you know, it, it's, an, it's an incredible feeling to know that you have accomplished teams besides your football and basketball teams, which aren't slouches. Yeah, exactly. Which and and to bring that. home national championships like that. Uh, now, a lot of people are probably, you know, saying, well, this is it for Wisconsin. We lost basically the best player in school history in volleyball and Dana Retke, plus three other, you know, really talented players. And it's not over yet. Um, Devin Robinson is coming back next year. Mm-hmm. She's a force. Um, Jade Demps, who really stepped up in the uh, in that national championship game or match. I'm sorry. I'm still getting the terminology down, folks. Um She's, she was huge in that match. Uh, Anna Smrak, who was the most valuable player yep. of the NCAA tournament, who's just a freshman. Yep. Yulia Orzel, who we call the Polish hammer. Also a freshman, correct? Also a freshman. And Wisconsin just got a transfer in from an all-Big Ten uh, middle blocker from uh, Kansas, uh, Caroline Crawford. And, you know, that's the kind of players you want to see coming in are like, you know, these grad transfers were like, you know what, I want to play for Wisconsin because we've, we've sort of become like an Alabama or Clemson or uh, Oklahoma in football. You know, people want to go to destination schools and Wisconsin is a destination school now where we're a blue blood in women's volleyball. Uh, I would expect a step back next year, but there's so much talent coming back, you know, a step back for us would be like making the sweet 16. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's the kind of caliber Wisconsin's volleyball team is, women's volleyball. So um, keep an eye on them. This is going to continue to be a thing going forward. And Coach Kelly Sheffield has probably uh, earned himself a significant raise uh, into the, if he isn't already one of the top paid coaches in women's volleyball and NCAA, I'm sure he soon will be. He, He must be already, right? 
I would think so because Wisconsin's not been a, a, a lightweight in women's volleyball right. for quite some time. You would you would think he's already in that tier, but if if you're right, if he's not, like welcome to that club. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that was that was our women's sports uh, uh, podcast. That's the most we've talked about women's sports all year, but it deserves it because they've brought us two national championships. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, yep. On that note, we're going to turn to our final um, foot, our, our final main topic, and it's football related. It sounds like um, offensive line coach slash run game coordinator slash assistant head coach Joe Rudolph is on his way out at Wisconsin, um, heading to Virginia Tech to be their offensive line coach. Uh, this news has been percolating evidently a while over at uh, Virginia Tech, but Wisconsin fans really just heard about it for the first time this week. And there's been a spirited debate going on online on message boards about whether the, what this means for Wisconsin uh, football going forward. Uh, Ryan, you wanna take it away with, with uh, the, uh, the general consensus on Joe Rudolph and what you think his strengths and weaknesses were? Yeah, sure. Um... Yeah, I think the general consensus, I think a lot of people would actually agree, regardless of um, where where you stand on, if we need changes in this offensive staff or not, I think a lot of people would agree on the general consensus with Joe Rudolph, which is he's been a really good recruiter. Like, I, it, it's yes. something that is is hard to argue that. A lot of the, the four- and five-star offensive linemen that people are touting, I mean, they're here because Joe Rudolph recruited them, right? Like, and, and five-star kids from out of state. Logan Brown is from Michigan. You know, Nolan Rucci's from from Pennsylvania. Those are five star kids. Riley Mallman from Minnesota. Riley Mallman from Minnesota. Wait, that's in state recruiting. I'm sorry. It is. Yeah, we do have a tag in there in our show at times. You know, so I think most people understand who who Joe Rudolph is as a recruiter. And when you you listen to kids who are interviewed about him, they universally praise Joe Rudolph, the guy, right? Like Mm -hmm. a great recruiter is is what they'll say. and a UW great human being Carson Hinsman yep. uh, had nothing but praise for Joe Swears by him. I mean, praise doesn't even do it justice. Like he, yeah. Hins, he, the way Carson Hinsman, who is still up in the air between um, Wisconsin and Ohio state talks about Joe Rudolph. I mean, that's the best coach he's ever interacted with is the way Carson Hinsman describes him. So excellent recruiter. There is a, a bit of a, I don't want to say argument or disillusionment, but there is, some concern with the positional group that Joe Rudolph coaches the offensive line that maybe hasn't lived up to the billing. So that's where I think people who are, I don't, I want to say maybe excited or just okay with them leaving will point to the fact that the offensive line, which is frankly, it's a staple Wisconsin football hasn't performed up to the level that is expected. So, and let's, let's be clear. This is a disputed point. It is. Wisconsin has produced still many NFL draft picks uh, Ryan Ramzik, uh was under was uh, had uh, Joe Rudolph as his position coach. He was a first round draft pick. He's one of the best offensive tackles in the NFL. Um, he did so only spend. Wisconsin, he did only play for a year at Wisconsin for one year. He he did only start for one year, but nonetheless, the point stands. Um, most recently, Josh Seltzner, who was a former walk on, uh, is now a third team All American and first team all big 10 and actually has an NFL future. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was a guy who, you know, we, we would have, you know, traded for a can of corn if that were possible two years ago. And he was the best offensive lineman on the team this year. Now the counterpoint uh, so, to that would be a guy like Tyler beach being a four-star offensive tackle coming into the three, program. Three star, three star. Was four. No, he was three. He was the top rated recruit in Wisconsin, but still a high three okay. star. So e- either way though, um, it's a been, guy, the production's been inconsistent. A guy who didn't seem to live up to what people thought he could become. And then I think there's also, and this is something we talked about on the show before the season, during the season. I don't think any of us liked the offensive line shuffling people three or four yeah, at that a time. Was, that's, been a, that's been a bone of contention that I've had personally with it. Uh, I felt like he played some players out of place. I feel like if Tyler Beach had been at right tackle and Logan Bruss had been at, at guard, uh, and then they had let whoever fight it out at left tackle, you know, Jack Nelson, uh, Logan Brown, Nolan Rucci, Riley Mallman, whoever, you know, and let them make their mistakes. We wouldn't have been any worse off than we were. 
and we might have been a little bit better off because we would have had linemen playing uh, at their natural positions that they're probably going to play in the NFL. And, um, you know, that's, we're, we're, we kind of split hairs here because, you know, great recruiter, um, mm-hmm. you know, offensive line results weren't always what we wanted. It's not like Wisconsin was a weak sister running the football when, mm-hmm. uh, when, um, when Joe Rudolph has been here. It's just the last three or four years. It is not the, the uh, level of expectation has not been exceeded. It's been felt that Wisconsin is underachieved on the offensive line. Let, let me zoom out a little bit because I, I, I almost want to take a bigger, more of a 30,000 foot view of this though. And then, then we can zoom back in. I think a big part of people's frustration has been, and I don't, I'm not, I'm not stepping on an limb here. It's been the offense as a whole the last couple of years. Yes. And I Joe, think the, and I Paul think, Chris isn't going anywhere. Right. So Joe yeah. Rudolph is almost looked at as the logical guy who might need to move to adjust some of what's happened. 20, the 2020 season, I think was after that happened was the first time. I think there had been a general expression of discontent with Joe Rudolph. And that was because he was the offense coordinator. He was calling the plays, or at least we were told that uh, during the 2020 season and Wisconsin's offense after the first two games was just miserable. And so then, you, you know, once that was imprinted in people's minds that, you know, in 2020, he was sort of the scapegoat for, for how bad the offense was, it, it snowballed from there. Wisconsin, we can't dispute this, had a disappointing year in 2021. Everyone expected at least a Big Ten West title. Um, We're disappointed in the beginning of the year, and then hopes were rekindled, and then they got smashed in the Minnesota game. Um, Once that happened, and Wisconsin just showed a general inability to run or, or pass protect in the Minnesota game, the, the, uh, the anger at Joe Rudolph became palpable. And so there's, there's a, a pretty heated dispute right now as to whether this is a good or a bad thing. I'm of the opinion that right now we really don't know what's going to happen. It sounds like Joe Rudolph is leaving. Uh, it's, it's not been officially reported yet, but it's been pretty much confirmed by insiders at, at Virginia Tech and Wisconsin that this is done. It's over with. He's leaving. The initial reaction I have is that this is sort of a net negative. Uh, you don't want your um, associate head coach slash offensive line coach slash best recruiter taking a parallel move. And it is a parallel move mm-hmm. to go to Virginia Tech and be just the offensive line coach. It's not like he went to Alabama or Clemson as the offensive line coach. That's a little bit different. Virginia Tech, I feel like, is kind of on a par with Wisconsin in terms of program expectations. So it's a little bit of a hit to the reputation. Um, fans who are not Wisconsin fans are going to look at that and say, and, and people in general, the media is going to look at that and say, boy, why did he, you know, decide to bolt out of, uh, Wisconsin to go to Virginia tech of all places. He's a Pennsylvania man. That's where he went to high school. He went with Paul Chris to Pittsburgh, uh, when, and he was the offensive coordinator there. Uh, I, I think ultimately he wants to be a head coach and that, window is is closing rapidly um i can't remember if he's if he's either he's either 48 or 50 i can't remember precisely but anyway there's only a limited time for him to become a head coach and he just he wasn't getting there at wisconsin he had already taken a demotion Mm -hmm. coming into this year he was no longer the offensive coordinator and it's hard to uh to hear yourself be criticized a lot and take a demotion and less pay and then continue to move forward um, and be considered a legitimate head coach prospect. And it might be one of those situations where this is the best move for uh, Joe Rudolph personally is to get to another school and not be associated with Paul Christ anymore because, you know, they're sort of tied at the hip right now. But in terms of Wisconsin's recruiting, this, this is a hit. This was a guy who wasn't just instrumental in bringing in offensive line prospects. He was also instrumental in bringing in other players from places where it's hard for Wisconsin to recruit, like uh, Michigan, mm-hmm. Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, in the end, it's not like Wisconsin's offensive line was terrible. Uh, you know, there was there was at no point a situation where the offensive line was just a complete sieve against, you know, both bad and good teams. There were bad games, but there weren't 
you know, bad seasons where it's just like, this is, this is awful offensive line play. Uh, I, I think that's pretty much a consensus view from, from anyone who's not either a, a, a super alienated fan or a super uh, pro um, Paul Christ, uh, Joe Rudolph person is that there were, there were ups and downs. Very inconsistent. I would, I would very, agree with yeah, that. It would, Which, it, would, it was inconsistent. And um, it's, I, like I said, it's, it's right now it's a net negative and we don't know if it's going to be a net positive, whoever replaces him. Well, can we speak to that point though, that inconsistent offensive line play at a place like Wisconsin is something that's not acceptable. Yeah. It's, it's just, something that's, it's something that's going to get you in trouble. Yeah. It's not like it, you know, if you say, man, that Wisconsin team had inconsistent receiver play this year, you know, <laughs> Badger fans would be like, Oh yeah, of course. Like, obviously they did. Right. Naturally. Um, what else is new? The sun rose today. Um, so <laughs> I, I think, you know, like I really went into this off season hoping we could find a way through moving people around to keep Joe Rudolph, because I think he's a great recruiter. And frankly, there's something about having like good people in your program. And from everything we've, we've heard, Joe Rudolph's a good dude. So there's something about having good people in your program. However, there's a part of me that also says, I know Paul Christ isn't going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. And frankly, I don't want him to go anywhere. Like I'm good with Paul Chris as the head coach, but I also know this offense desperately needs a facelift. And that's not going to happen if Joe Rudolph stays around, in my opinion. So for me, it's it, kind of at the very at the very least needs a nip and a tuck. It it needs something, right? Clearly, what what we've seen the last couple of years, in my opinion, hasn't been good enough. And for that to happen, coaches have to move. And Joe Rudolph, for all of the pluses, for all the recruiting prowess. He is still paid a ton of money to make the offensive line great, right? He's a highly, highly paid employee of the state of Wisconsin. And the offensive line for all the young talent that's been accumulated hasn't met those expectations. So I, I have no ill will towards Joe Rudolph. I hope wherever he goes, if he goes to Virginia Tech, he crushes it. Um, he's done a great you know, like yeoman's work at Wisconsin. That being said, I do think it's time for, for changes. I do think it's time for a different offensive line coach. I do think it's time for a different philosophy in the offensive room. And I think that probably doesn't happen if Joe Rudolph doesn't move on. So for me, I, I like the move. I like the idea that we're getting fresh blood in there. I also acknowledge the fact that we don't know if the next guy is going to be better than Joe Rudolph. However, I think Joe Rudolph might've hit a ceiling at Wisconsin. And I think we've, we saw it. He was given more responsibility and demoted. It's not often. I think a coach is demoted and then stays in that program for a long time. So and we want to, and, and just to make it clear, we wish nothing but the best for Joe Rudolph. Mm -hmm. um, I've seen some fans, you know, like essentially, you know, saying good riddance and you don't do that to an alumni, a guy who's won a Rose Bowl and a guy who's devoted essentially most of his life to Wisconsin football. No, you can take the high road here and, and oh, wish, yeah. wish him good luck, but you can, you can do that and also say, you know, I, I in my heart, I believe this is probably the right move for the program. Like those two things aren't mutually exclusive. No, I would, I would agree with that. Yeah. And I, I do think this is probably the right move for the program. I think sometimes the other thing I'd say is sometimes if you're, and this isn't just a football thing, it's a life thing. If you're somewhere for a while and you don't really move up and you just can kind of stagnate. And I think there's probably value in getting new blood in on the offensive side of the ball at Wisconsin. So that opens up a new can of worms. Um, number one, who's going to replace Joe Rudolph on the offensive line? Uh, the two names that have been bandied around the most are number one, moving Bob Bostad from inside mm -hmm. linebackers back to the offensive line. Um, and the other name that has come up frequently is uh, former Badger great and um, NFL Hall of Famer Joe Thomas, who's probably one of the top five, if not the greatest left tackle to play in the NFL mm -hmm. uh, got, got shunted off to the God awful <laughs> pocket Cleveland, of Cleveland, of the Cleveland Browns for his, yeah. most of his career. So he's not as well known, but anyone who you talk to will tell you that Joe Thomas was the best left tackle in the NFL for his entire career. Mm -hmm. And um, his name has been bandied around a little bit. Um, these are these are big shoes to fill. Now, Bob Bostad, um, with his pedigree, he was the offensive line coach at Wisconsin under Brett Bielema. And he had some great offensive lines, particularly 2010, 2011. 
2012. Those were great offensive lines. Uh, no one can dispute that. They had multiple NFL starters come out of those offensive lines. Um, the issue might be there. Bostad was not originally an offensive line coach. He was a linebacker in college, and he has coached inside linebackers at Wisconsin since he left the NFL. Well, no, he, he went to Northern. To he went to uh, Northern Illinois first. Did he go to Northern Illinois? Yep, he went from the NFL. Fired yep. from the NFL. Yeah, he coached tight ends and I think fullbacks. And then he then he came to Wisconsin to coach inside linebackers. And he's uh, getting back to the point. He's knocked it out of the park with the inside yes, linebackers. Absolutely, at Wisconsin. Yes. They've been great um, ever since he's come. The inside linebackers have been uh, all Big Ten caliber or better. And you kind of rob Peter to to uh, pay Paul in this case if you move him to the offensive line because if you move him to the offensive line, you're going to have to replace him with somebody whether it's on staff already with Bobby April or it's someone else you bring in for the inside linebackers, you have no idea what's going to happen there. And Bob Bostad, it's been what almost, almost a decade since he coached offensive line at Wisconsin. Bob Bostad is a notorious, uh, I'm going to swear a little bit here. He's a notorious hard ass. Yes, he is. Uh, (laughs) Which is probably why he didn't do excellent in the NFL. Right. Yeah, that's, that's the rumor anyways. Yep. Um, so we're going to see, I, I guess, in the future, you know, if he does move from inside linebackers back to the offensive line, how does he relate to today's players? Can he coax more out of those four and five star offensive line talents than Joe Rudolph did? If it's Joe Thomas, you mm. can't question Joe Thomas's NFL pedigree. Uh, he has expressed an interest in coaching. Uh, he, there is no more decorated alumni uh, from Wisconsin on the offensive line that you could possibly hire. Uh, he is a, uh, like I said, he's an NFL Hall of Famer. I'm, I'm utterly shocked his number hasn't been retired at Wisconsin. Yeah, it's a he's yeah. generally considered one of the greatest to ever play the game at UW. Uh, famously played defensive end as a freshman. Mm-hmm. just to help the team out and then broke his leg mm-hmm. in, um, in a bowl game. And that sort of delayed him moving to left tackle, but he was a first round NFL draft pick. Uh, just, just well known for his boosterism of Wisconsin athletics in general. He's from Wisconsin. He's around the program a lot as well. Yes. He's um, around the program. You know, the, the flip side of that being uh Joe Thomas has never coached in college football at all. Now, Jim Leonard never coached in college football at all either. But he, but he didn't start off as, I mean, so the the difference are, so I'm sorry, let me jump. Can I jump in really quick on this? Well, you already did. I already did. So I'm going to continue on. Sorry. (laughs) Um, I feel like a little bit of the difference with Jim Leonard is he was almost entrusted to run defenses as, as a coach on the field under, under, like Rex Ryan, like they, they were, those coaches referenced that. I think it's a little, a little different as a safety when you're considered a coach on the field than being in, in Leonard's case than being an offensive tackle in Thomas's case, you see more of the field. I think you just get a big, better big picture idea of what's going on. Um, my issue is with Leonard. I think the, the appeals obvious or with Thomas, sorry to, for Thomas coming in to be the offensive line coach, the appeals, obviously the appeals there for me. Like Joe Thomas is an all-time great Wisconsin Badger. The idea of adding him onto let's, let's put it this way: if Joe Thomas is hired as the next offensive line coach at Wisconsin, no one on the podcast I feel confident, including Justin, in this is going to be upset. Well, no, no, I, no, 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 no one's going to be upset. No, you're so, speak, no, I am going to be upset. You're, you're no, I disagree. Oh, you are going to be upset. Oh, yeah, I'm trying okay. to get to that point. Yeah. So what I'm trying to say is like I I get the appeal of Joe Thomas so much because he's a Wisconsin legend. However, Ryan, why are you denying me the right to speak for you? You are like you that. are speaking for me without understanding where my brain is right now. Um, uh, no, he's like, had a few beers, folks. So, I've had a uh, few beers, him. which just helps me think clearly. The, I, <laughs> the The problem I have with Joe Thomas becoming the offensive line coach is we have a proven, legitimate commodity in Bob or Bo Bobstead. Oh my God, I'm so so much beer. Oh, Bob. Bob Bostad. Bob Bostad. Is Sorry. Name. I think I called him like Jimbo Bobstead. Like he's like from Louisiana. I don't know what you just called him. <laughs> I, low key, I just watched The Water Boy yesterday um, on a rewatch. 
I think that's where that came from. However, let me finish oh, this thought. Because okay. even sober, this is my thoughts. So Bosted, <laughs> stop it. You're making me laugh now. I see your face. He coached some of the best offensive lines we ever had. Like three-star talents that went to the NFL. My point is, at Wisconsin, the offensive line is more important than in sideline back position. And if we can move a guy that we know for a fact can coach that position, to me, it makes a lot more sense than taking a guy like Joe Thomas, who we have no idea if he can coach. There's been a lot of great athletes, and this isn't even like me making things up. There's been a lot of great athletes that failed as coaches. Like Mike Singletary failed as a coach. He's one of the greatest linebackers of all time. Well, failed as a head coach. He failed as a coach. Like, though, like – and he's not a linebackers coach now. Like my, my point that's, is, okay, that's true. My, my point is a great athlete does not make a great coach all the time. And we know for a fact, we have a dude on staff that can coach the offensive line. And I think it'd be easier to move him coach a position that is in, integral to Wisconsin success and find an inside linebackers coach. So that's, that's what I think the move is. Now, if they go that way, I don't know. And if Joe Thomas comes in, I get the appeal especially from a recruiting standpoint, like Joe Thomas should be able to recruit the hell out of the offensive line, but it's a risk, man. If he's never coached, it's a risk. Stop laughing at me. Why are you laughing at me? I can't help me? it. You just busted into a Dr. McCoy from Star Trek. It's a risk, man. It's a risk. Uh, I, um, I have no idea what I called. <laughs> I have no idea what you called him either. I, so I don't know. You called him Bart Miller, I think, at one point. Maybe it was a Freudian him, slip. I think I called him Bo Boston. Uh, <laughs> anyway, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, Your rebuttal, sir. We, we apologize for that, folks. Honestly, uh, don't tap the can. It's not going to get any more beer out of it than you already got. Um, there could be there could be any number of of people hired as the new Wisconsin offensive line coach. This is not a job that is a, ugh, taking a step down to be Wisconsin's offensive line coach. This is going to be an in-demand job. There's mm -hmm. a ton of talent in the program. There are eight, four or five-star kids in the program right now. Yeah, I mean, this is a job that people are going to want to take because they're going to want to prove that they can turn that talent into NFL talent. And it's not going to be exactly a hard thing to do. It's not going to be a hard follow-up to uh, get these kids moving forward into the NFL. Let me. Can I ask um, you a follow-up on this really quick? Do you just ask Bostead? I wasn't done with my follow-up. No, but, but I got to okay. follow you. Do you just ask Bostead, because I'm still on this topic. Do you just ask Bostead what he wants to do? And if he wants to stay inside linebacker, is that just the the end of it for you? If he, if, God, I hate hypothetical questions like this. If he is asked, you know, what do you want to do? And he says, I want to see it inside linebackers. Well, then I guess you obviously have to respect that. And you can't sit there and say, you know mm -hmm. what? Screw it. Uh, you're, you're fired as the inside linebackers coach. You're going to coach the offense. Well, it wouldn't line. be fired, but it would be a forceful, like, we really need you here. I'm just saying if. if I don't, you... I don't think we have enough leverage over Bob Boston to make that, to make right. that decision. Um, you know, it, it's going to be whoever Paul Christ is most comfortable with, because ultimately this is Paul Christ's team. And unlike with Jim Leonard, who kind of has a say as to who's hired as a defensive assistant, the offensive assistants are all controlled by, by Paul Christ. Uh, so this is going to be whoever Paul Christ is most comfortable with. This is going to be an interview process, and they may be doing it right now as we speak, because I don't think this Joe Rudolph thing was unknown to Paul Christ. Uh, they, as we commented, we were commenting before, um, he's... Uh, He's he's got a hive mind with with Joe Rudolph. They I think they I think when one thinks a thought, the other one like perks up and goes, "Oh, I thought that thought too." So I don't think Joe Rudolph leaving was an unknown thing to Paul Christ, and I'm sure he's got contingency plans in place now. Whether that's hiring, uh, you know, a former Badger assistant, I mentioned Bart Miller uh, due to Ryan's faux pas. Uh, he's the offensive line coach at Illinois, a uh, former Badger assistant, did a good job when he was here, mm -hmm. replaced a fired offensive line coach, I believe under Gary Anderson. Mike and the offensive, Yeah, the offensive line play immediately improved. Mm -hmm. So he's no slouch either. Um, there are plenty of Badger alumni uh, coaching offensive line and plenty of people from the uh, Barry Alvarez, Brett Bielema, Paul Christ coaching tree, coaching offensive lines around college football for him to have his pick of who he wants. Besides the fact that he could bring in somebody outside 
the Badger coaching tree. So this is going to be a sort of a, a popularity contest with Wisconsin fans as to whether this is approved or not. But um, you know, I'm the, good with it. I'm good with it because Paul Chris has made exceptional hires for the most part. Yeah, there's not there's not a lot of uh, hires that Paul Chris has made where where we've gone, oh, why no. do you do that? Paul Chris is Paul Christ for good or bad is very meticulous. Very meticulous, and the people that for the most part. Like I mean, Paul, like every every head coach has its has its pluses and minuses. Saban has his pluses and minuses, um, but Paul Christ has done, in my opinion, one of the best things he's done is build his staff. Guys like Bobby April, guys like Hank Poteet, I think is a great hire. Gary Browns, I think oh, is yeah. a great hire. He kept, um, you know, when when he came on board, he kept Dave Aranda, and then he he in turn went Wilcox and Leonard. I think it's been one of his quiet strengths. Tim Tibisar. Tim Tibisar, exactly. Like. These 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 hires have been impeccable for the most part, and I think it's been one of his quiet strengths that people don't talk about enough. Paul Chris builds typically exceptional staffs, so and, and staffs that tend to um, be in vision with him. Obviously, yeah. the the whole the one sour note is the uh, recruiting staff with Saeed Khalif, who he, he was not in sync with, obviously. But uh, stop clenching your fists, Ryan. We're not going to talk about that in this podcast. It's not. It's it's not filled yet. The recruiting department hasn't been refilled. No, we yet. we have we haven't gotten any word on that. But we're not going to talk about that in this podcast because that's another hour plus. Um. So the but you offensive would, you line, would agree with me on the overall point though. Like his yes, generally yes, his hiring has been, has been awesome. impeccable. Awesome. Yeah. The, yeah. The other flip side of this is now if. Uh, if Joe Rudolph moves on, the offensive coordinator position at Wisconsin is now open. There's nobody on staff right now who really fits the bill of I'm a run game, maybe maybe Bostad. I'm a run game coordinator slash uh, pass game coordinator. Gary Brown, Mickey Turner, uh, Alvis Witted, none of them are, mm-hmm. are right now at any rate coordinator material unless you're trying to hold on to them for another offer. Um. So that brings into question, you know, who does Wisconsin bring in as an offensive coordinator? And obviously we have no <laughs> names that we can throw out because I, I'll be perfectly honest. I am spacing and I've been thinking about this for weeks. I can't think of anybody that he, that is readily available that Paul Christ would bring in as an offensive coordinator. This is going to be a process. Well, there's a question that comes before that question, right? What, what other coach leaves? Well, no, because because uh, well, I guess that's true too. An offensive line have to, yep. coach coming in isn't going to be the offensive coordinator. No, that's very true. So, I, I agree with you. Like, I I think an offensive coordinator is needed, and I don't know who that person would be. Secretly, I kind of have have a, a little bit of man crush on Andy Ludwig bringing him back from Utah. <laughs> but but regardless, I knew, like <laughs> I knew we could not get through this podcast yes, without Andy Ludwig's I name love, being mentioned. I love what he did in Utah this year. However. Along with Bo Bobstad, whoever he is. <laughs> Bo Bobstad coming at you live. Um, regardless, though, another coach has to leave, right? Like, and I don't know if that's going to happen, man. Like, every here's the thing. Every Wisconsin fan that talks about this, when you say you need another offensive coordinator, a coach has to leave, says Chris Herring. I don't think Chris Herring's going anywhere. Like, that is Paul Chris' dude. Like, that is his right-hand man. That's the guy that's by him on the side. No, I will, I will express in, in – a very unpopular opinion. Chris Herring used to coach linebackers at Pittsburgh. If mm. you're going to if you're going to go the easy route, and this is super hypothetical, and I hate making these discussions, um, you can move Bob Bostad to offensive line, move Chris Herring to inside linebackers, and then you know you parcel mm. out the special teams duties among the other coaches, and you hire an offensive coordinator. You don't have enough bodies still. You still need to lose a guy. You can't just shuffle. You have to actually lose another guy. Hmm. Right. Well, because uh, well, no, because you're vacating the special teams coach. Oh, because you're not refilling that. Okay, you're right. Yeah. You're right. So if you leave that spot open and then you backfill that, you can hire an offensive coordinator. Okay. Yes, exactly. I mean, that'd be that'd be awesome, right? It, it with the exception of we don't actually know if Chris Herring was a good inside linebackers coach. We don't know if Bosted wants to move. We don't know if. Paul Chris wants to even make those moves. That's why it's a hypothetical discussion that I really hate. Oh, I love these discussions. Um, <laughs> well, let's not well, carry let's this table on this. Too How, long about this? We have- <laughs> How about this? We've already gone for a while. Um, after the bowl game, if it happens, hopefully it happens. 
we're going to get you know definitive news on these moves. We're going to know who's moving on or not. And then at that point, I've we can really dive in. I've never been more happy for you to table a discussion than I am right now. <laughs> oh, man. All right, let's 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 table that after the bowl game when we know for sure who's moving or who's not moving. Um, I almost I almost want to bring in Name That Badger for our outro, but... Mm-mm. I don't, I I don't feel like years. you're, I, I don't think you're capable of even thinking of like last year's roster to be nah. able to pick out and name that Badgers. No, I do. Like, I feel like I, I have a pretty good hit rate on it. Um, you do have a pretty good hit rate. I just feel like I don't want your hit rate to suffer because it, you'll, you'll get way more negative. If I don't, we, if I know do today's that. not a good day. Um, I had a long work day. <laughs> it, it is what it is. Let's, let's finish on this. Um, We're consummate professionals folks. Yeah. We are something. Um, I want to let, unless, do you have any other news notes, anything else you want to bring up? Like that's actually legit. Well, now you had to throw in legit. Well, then I've got nothing. I didn't have anything to begin with when, if you would have said legit. Okay. I just wanted to wish everyone a Merry Christmas. Like, I don't think we have a whole lot else. Oh, well, that's, that's very nice. Let's, let's wish everyone a a non-denominational happy holidays. We'll probably get back to you. I say probably because the holiday season is hectic. Hopefully we'll get some time to record mm-hmm. another podcast before Wisconsin plays in the Las Vegas bowl. We'll give you a preview of that. Uh, any, any other breaking news with the Wisconsin program? We do want to cover basketball. And if, if, and when they do play Illinois state, hopefully uh, we'll give you some news on that. And any other developing news with Wisconsin athletics? Uh, how was that tropical lager? Did you ever get to that? Yeah, it didn't taste tropical. It just tasted oh. like, like I thought it would be pineapple-y, like, like tropically paradise. It just tasted like a lager. There was nothing there. <laughs> I don't Folks, know. That's the, I, that's the biggest letdown of our show. So I wish far. there was We're something. On a low note. Yeah, I wish there was something more there. I, the keg nog was really good. I think it was the the almonds or whatever other special ingredients they put in there. But the keg nog was, was it really just the good. fact that it was beer? Maybe it was that Christmas was it. beer. Okay. It was infused with the holiday spirit. It's a milkshake IPA with lactose. On, the, on that note, folks, uh, we, we wish you well for the holidays. Yes. Uh, catch up with us. Uh, Twitter handle at the Bucky cast. Otherwise we're going to try and get our Facebook page uh, up and running here. Uh, we're, I feel like we're missing an entire demographic with, with not having our Facebook page up and running. Although evidently people do visit it and they're sorely disappointed when they do. Yeah. There's not much there. <laughs> there's, there's there's work to be done on the Facebook. There's work side. to be done, folks, but but we're 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 paying attention to it. Uh in the meantime, uh Ryan. No, that's anything? it, man. Happy holidays to everybody. And we, you know, as always, we really appreciate everyone who takes the time to listen. Um, we have a pretty steady listener base now. It's not yeah, and it's it's pretty consistent in the numbers. So um just way more than we could say. Yeah, it's, it's been almost a year, it's been eleven months. Yeah, eleven months, folks, since we uh, first met at a on a Zoom uh, non-broadcasted uh, meeting. And we all look way worse than we did at that point. Oh yeah, we've aged we're, terribly we're in, in the last now. year. But we really do appreciate um, everyone who's listened. It's it's humbling to have people take the time because time is the most precious thing any of us have. So uh, we appreciate <laughs> it. On that on that philosophical but- note. Uh, We'll catch you later. Thanks for listening to the Bucky Cast. Peace Happy out. Happy holidays, guys. Later. Thanks so much for listening to the Bucky Cast. If you've enjoyed the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We really appreciate it. And we'll catch you next time on Wisconsin.